Welcome into Outkick the Show. I am your fearless leader, Clay Travis. If you're looking down at your watch and you're thinking to yourself, wait a minute, this guy's a little bit late today. It's been a day. A good day, but a busy day. Uh, I started with Buck Sexton, the new show. Biggest radio launch in the history of radio is what I have been told. We are now on from 12 to 3 Eastern every day, 9 to 12 on the West Coast, uh, 10 to 1 Mountain, 11 to 2 Central Time. Check your listings. We are on in your city. We are on in your state. If you cannot find it, you can stream us at clayandbuck.com. You can also go subscribe to the podcast which is now up if you search out my name, Clay Travis. If you search out Clay and Buck on iTunes, Spotify, all those places, Day one of the show is now up. We had an earlier show than normal on Fox Bet Live. I just finished it right now. My plan is to be with you guys at 3 o'clock every day this week and continue to be a 3 o'clock afternoon performer. I was on Fox and Friends this morning. I'll be on Laura Ingram tonight talking about a variety of different subjects. Your boy is running around like crazy. I appreciate all of you for continuing to be big uh, fans and supporters of OutKick. All right, let's dive into the biggest story that is out there. Uh, The Supreme Court in a 9 to nothing decision written by Justice Gorsuch uh, said that uh, the NCAA is violating antitrust law in the way that it compensates all of the players in college athletics. There was also a concurrence which was written by Brett Kavanaugh you know all the Blue Check Brigade members who are super upset uh, with the fact that we have a uh, that we have this situation going on at all that Brett Kavanaugh is a Supreme Court Justice this was one of the moments that helped to red pill me in the way that this story was covered and I want to dive into it and talk about the larger issues at play but in particular here Uh, Let me hit you with what Brett Kavanaugh had to say in his concurring opinion and I am reading from this. To be sure, the NCAA and its member colleges maintain important traditions that have become part of the fabric of America. Game days in Tuscaloosa and South Bend, the packed gyms and stores in Durham, the women's and men's lacrosse championships on Memorial Day weekend, track and field meets in Eugene, the spring softball and baseball World Series in Oklahoma City and Omaha. The list goes on. But those traditions alone cannot justify the NCAA's decision to build a massive money-raising enterprise on the backs of student-athletes who are not fairly compensated. Nowhere else in America can businesses get away with agreeing not to pay their workers a fair market rate on the theory that their product is defined by not paying their workers a fair market rate and under ordinary principles of antitrust law it is not evident why college sports should be any different. The NCAA is not above the law. That is from Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh's concurring opinion in this 9 to nothing decision that has been uh, released earlier today that effectively, I believe, dealt a body blow to existing NCAA issues when it comes to fair play and college athletics. So let's unpack this a little bit and let me explain what it means. First of all, The NCAA as an existing institution that checks to see whether or not improper benefits are occurring is effectively over. What I believe going forward is that it will seem insanely antiquated very quickly 
that the NCAA ever reviewed bank statements or policed whether Johnny Manziel could sell his autographs or Todd Gurley could sign and sell jerseys and shoes and decided to suspend players based on decisions made such as those. I believe if you look forward this effectively ends any sort of aggressive enforcement of the improper benefits perspective. Now, what this also is going to do though is create an entire cavalcade of lawsuits. And let me explain why. Because right now what you effectively have in college athletics is sports socialism. Let me explain. The only two programs that make money right now on college campuses are football and men's basketball by and large. The money that the schools make off of those programs is then rolled back into the athletic department so that all the other athletes get scholarships. In particular, football and men's basketball subsidizes all of women's athletics which loses a ton of money and women are getting 85 additional scholarships because no women are getting scholarships to play football. So, you have football and men's basketball subsidizing basically the entirety of women's sports. If you are going to allege antitrust violations which is what the Supreme Court has found ultimately there are going to be lawsuits asking how payment of players and compensation of players is going to interact with the requirements of Title IX. Right now under Title IX all scholarship athletes male and female are required to be treated equally in terms of the overall number of scholarships that are given. So If you wanted to, for instance, give $50,000, let's say, extra a year to an Ohio State football player or a Duke basketball player men's you would have to give that same amount theoretically to everyone else. All this decision is doing is opening up a massive legal complexity as it pertains to what is going to happen to college athletes going forward. Justice Kavanaugh's uh, concern here and his ruling concurrence is so expansive that it basically questions the entire foundation of college athletics. In addition to Title IX we're also going to have to find out another fascinating wrinkle here. How does this pertain to a decision as it would go theoretically towards the idea of college athlete restrictions for eligibility in general? Because remember football players are not allowed to go pro until three years after their high school graduating class. Right now, every college basketball player is every basketball player is required to wait at least a year to go pro. So, how will we analyze and set up and I don't know the answer to this all these age restriction requirements which are not of NCAA creation. Remember, if you want to go pro in basketball or football you don't have the legal right to do that right now because there are age restrictions. There have been freshmen remember back when Maurice Claret challenged this who have said hey I am ready to go pro. I believe. In general I agree with Justice Kavanaugh here I am a market-based capitalist. I believe everybody deserves to make as much money as they possibly can off of their talents particularly in the field of athletics where your entire career could end on any given play. Okay? The example I always give is if you told me Clay Travis you are on track to make a hundred million dollars from radio but your voice could stop working at any moment and you might never make that hundred million dollars or you could sit out 
for six months and guarantee yourself $100 million guess what? I'm sitting out for six months and guaranteeing myself $100 million. I've been nervous ever since I sold my company that I was going to die in an airplane crash or a car crash and not be able to cash in the money that I am getting now. That's all taken care of now. But I was nervous as we had these entire discussions. I'm like, man, I don't want to die in an airplane crash and suddenly my family not get all the money that is coming to us over OutKick selling to Fox. I am a capitalist, all right? I believe and people making as much money as they possibly can. But the challenge here is these are nonprofit institutions. The only people that are making a lot of money right now in college athletics are the coaches. How will you reconcile requirements as it pertains to men's football and men's basketball players who are the only, these male athletes, are the only real athletes who have value from an economic perspective? In other words, if you were running a college athletics program solely as a business you wouldn't have any teams other than men's basketball and football. Maybe, possibly you would have women's basketball because some of those can come closer to breaking even. But the only two teams that actually make profits are football and men's basketball. The money that is made off of those schools again, socialistic style is rolled into supporting women's athletics and lesser interest men's teams. So how do you reconcile this ruling with all of the Title IX implications and also the age restrictions that exist plus the name, image, and likeness which is coming onto the horizon soon? The courts are going to have to tell us and it is going to be messy. I think it's going to be five to ten years before we figure out exactly how this is playing out but the NCAA is so unpopular right now that they can lose a ruling 9 to nothing, and they spent $73 million trying to defend their entire notion of amateurism. This has been an absolute long time coming. Fascinating story. Also speaking of long time comings, if you actually look going forward right now uh, at, the, uh, at the data as it pertains there was a recent straw poll that came out Who is the most popular? Who's the most favored candidate in 2024? Uh, These were the top four vote-getters. Ron DeSantis, Donald Trump, Ted Cruz, Mike Pompeo. I asked you earlier today during the Clay and Buck show 12 Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. on the Mountain Time Zone, 11 a.m. in my hometown of Nashville where we did the show today. Who would be your top pick of these four for 2024? Ron DeSantis got 69% nice of the overall vote. Over 60,000 of you voted. Donald Trump got 27%. Ted Cruz got 2%. Mike Pompeo got 2%. Ron DeSantis is the overwhelming favorite of my audience, of the Buck and Clay Show audience, and of the OutKick audience in general based on sharing all of that information. That's a pretty wild lead for DeSantis who has to get elected by the way in 2022 re-elected as the governor of Florida but I think it speaks to how much people want a fighter uh, and also how much they love the way that Ron DeSantis has led in the state of Florida. I think you have to make Ron DeSantis a substantial favorite right now 
a lot can happen in 2022 and 2023 and 2024 before these primaries actually get underway and before the debates get underway and all of those shenanigans which won't happen until the summer of 2023 but I think you have to start to contemplate what might be happening there. DeSantis, a big favorite right now uh, going forward in that position. This is a crazy story. There is now a trans Olympian who is going to be competing on behalf of New Zealand. 43-year-old Laurel Hubbard is going to be representing uh, New Zealand the first transgender athlete to compete in the Olympics she's going to be doing weightlifting. Alright? And so this is pretty crazy. Hubbard transitioned from male to female in 2013 and has already earned a medal. She has a legitimate competition to be able potentially to win a medal. So this is creating a situation where two identities are colliding. Which matters more? the sanctity of women's athletic competitions or the rights of transgender athletes. Because I don't think anybody out there can argue that if you are transgender female deciding to be male you'll never compete at a high level in any Olympic category. But if you are male and you decide to become female you still have particularly in weightlifting the size and the strength more so of a man in competing against women. And actually this is why Caitlyn Jenner has said it is unfair for men who transition to women to be able to compete in the Olympics. Imagine what would have happened if Bruce Jenner had gone from winning the decathlon as a man to four years later winning the decathlon as a woman. Well the answer is pretty straightforward and simple. Caitlyn Jenner would have dominated every woman at the Olympics four years after Bruce Jenner did it. Because even without all of that testosterone Bruce Jenner would still be a better athlete as Caitlyn Jenner than any woman would have likely been in the decathlon. And now we're going to have to figure out going forward how to reconcile these two identities colliding women's athletics because a lot of the people who are filing lawsuits now are women athletes who have ended up losing to men or are we going to allow a separation of the sexes to continue to exist? Because if transgender female athletes are able to compete they have, I believe, a fairly substantial advantage because men are bigger, stronger, and faster than women and even if you start to strip away their their testosterone these transgender women still have the physical body mass to a large extent that women are not capable of having. In other words this weightlifter for 35 years was male all the way through to get broad shoulders height, weight advantage anybody who's ever weightlifted knows that how much you weigh and how big you are can have a substantial impact in how much you can lift. And so this is going to the very essence of competition. This is the first transgender female athlete to advance to the Olympics but it won't be the last. And so the question is going to be asked and I think it's a fair one how do you reconcile this going forward? Props to John Rahm by the way. And by the way I don't think that male athletes who have decided to transition to women should be able to compete against women athletes in the Olympics in high school anywhere 
I think that is a fundamental unfairness associated with uh, the way that we have competitions because men and women are separated and if men and women were not separated then women would not win any sporting contest. That's why we have a biological separation. So we're all, and people say well this doesn't impact things very much. Well it certainly doesn't impact the overall outcome of women who decide to become transgender men. But for men who decide to become transgender women it calls into question the very essence of competition itself. Alright, John Rahm won the US Open. Thankfully he was able to overcome losing at the Memorial over a COVID positive test. He sits out he has no significant complications from COVID. He comes back and he puts together a whale of a performance Fantastic putt on 17. Fantastic putt on 18 to find his way to uh, the championship winning the U.S. Open. I think one of the greatest sporting traditions in all of America is the U.S. Open ending on a Father's Day. I hope all of you had great Father's Day out there. I did. I coached Little League Baseball all weekend. Games on Friday. Games on Saturday. It was a lot of fun. I've got a 13, a 10, and a 6-year-old. Three boys. I hope you guys had great Father's Day. One of the coolest parts to me of Father's Day uh, in the world of sports is watching whoever wins the US Open walk off of 18. Their kids or their kid is there. Their wife is there. The dad may be there. Being able to see three generations celebrating a win like that is incredibly fantastic to see and I hope uh, we always have that trend but congratulations to John Rahm on winning. Also got to put the white jacket on. I finally won another week at OutKick. So uh, as we look forward there uh, it is uh, exciting to think about how the British Open may go uh, next month to see who ultimately ends up uh, triumphing there. Uh, The NBA had a couple of Game 7s. Ben Simmons was a disaster of epic proportions. I've got some stats for you here. Uh, Ben Simmons in the fourth quarter this series went seven games. Two for two on field goals in game one. He didn't attempt a shot in game two. He made one field goal in game three. Didn't attempt a shot in games four, five, six, or seven. He is making $177 million a year. I've made this argument for some time. Ben Simmons doesn't fit Joel Embiid's game. Simmons cannot shoot. They need outside shooters to give Joel Embiid more opportunity to make plays inside. It has never made sense to me that Ben Simmons is on the court alongside of Joel Embiid. I would expect that in this offseason for the Philadelphia 76ers they will find a way to move on from Ben Simmons try to get some value for him go find more shooters to put around uh, the perimeter to support the overall big man talents of Joel Embiid and already they are throwing Doc Rivers did and also uh, Joel Embiid they are throwing Ben Simmons under the proverbial bus over the way that this entire situation uh, went down uh, as we continue to go forward. I want to tell you this as we go into into my first read here going to talk more about the radio show Tom Brady teeing off on Jimmy G and what we learned if anything from Kevin Durant's performance in the Nets series uh, going up against the Bucs. But first I want to let you know Erectile dysfunction affects over half of all men but it doesn't have to make you feel like half of a man. Since 2017 My Dr. Hank has been making America hard again. My Dr. Hank 
helps you get low-cost ED meds and overcome the psychological and emotional barriers to getting ED treatment. They secure your prescription and then ship it to you discreetly every month from U.S. pharmacies all for as low as $2 a pill. So don't wait. Join the movement to make America hard again. Go to mydrhank.com slash clay and sign up. Tell Dr. Hank I sent you. He'll give you 50% off your first subscription order. That's mydrhank.com slash clay offer available for a limited time. Uh, First new radio show. So much fun. If you're just watching this right now I appreciate all of you all the support that we got from our callers from our listeners. You can go subscribe Clay and Buck search out my name Clay Travis search out Buck Sexton's name you'll see the new podcast it is up you'll be able to hear all three hours of this program I'm continuing to do this show I'll continue to write continue to do Fox Bet Live lots of work on the table as I said I started off the day uh, doing uh, Fox and Friends early in the morning and I'm going to finish the day late in the evening doing Laura Ingram's show tonight on Fox News more work not less more clay not less I appreciate all of you and I'm excited about where we're going to go with that brand new radio show as I said we're never going to replace Rush Limbaugh because you don't replace legends they become icons instead we are just going to continue to fight a lot of the battles that have become so incredibly important going forward uh, in the world of uh, American life I'm a capitalist I'm a free speech proponent I am a believer in Western civilization and all three of those things are rare right now it feels like certainly in the American media. Did you see Tom Brady teed off on the idea that the 49ers would want to stay committed to Jimmy G and guess what? It appears that the 49ers did make a mistake being committed to Jimmy Garoppolo because think about this for a minute. If Tom Brady had gone to the San Francisco 49ers instead of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers I think there's a good chance that the 49ers would have ended up champs instead of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. One of the all-time decisions that may be questioned going forward San Francisco 49ers had an opportunity to win a Super Bowl. It sounds like Brady was interested in going to play for Kyle Shanahan. They have a great defense. I know that Bosa got injured early in the season but can you imagine how much difference Brady may have made for the San Francisco 49ers this year? Instead, Bruce Arians, give him credit, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers made a play for Brady but Brady teed off a little bit I think it's fair to say on Jimmy G and the idea as he said that they would want that MFR as opposed to him. That news now getting out Jimmy G man he has been taking body blows as obviously the 49ers have gone out made the decision to draft over him and end up with a uh, with a brand new quarterback potentially that they are going to, to use instead of him. We'll see what happens with Trey Lance going forward uh, but the 49ers trade up and invested big money in Trey Lance because they no longer believe in Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, look I did my chair in the radio studio uh, I did my show in the radio studio in Nashville from my X chair and I'm going to continue to do all my work at home from the X chair without the perfect chair you are selling your own productivity short because you're not going to have back support you're not going to have heat you're not going to have the ability to sit and be massaged and finish your day feeling as rested as you possibly can I got to tell you I love it I've never had an office chair that looks or feels this good in my life so comfortable I can sit for hours and never feel uncomfortable. You can get hooked up today. The X chair hooks you up with great warming technology massaging technology and right now X chair on sale for $100 off. Go to xchairclay.com 
That's xchairclay.com. Now, the letter X, chair, my name, C-L-A-Y, you get a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, $100 off, and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. xchairclay.com and you get free X wheels if you use the X wheel blade caster code in addition to $100 off xchairclay.com Finally, what did we learn if anything from Kevin Durant and the New York New, Jer- New York Nets New Jersey Nets whatever the heck they are the Nets with they're in Brooklyn now so they're the New York Nets with the Nets able to go to Game 7 come within a couple of inches of Kevin Durant advancing his team to the Eastern Conference Finals Kyrie Irving was injured certainly James Harden was not back to 100% health Kevin Durant I believe proved that he is the best basketball player in the world with his performance in Game 7 even though he didn't win with his performance in Game 5 I think you can make a strong argument I don't think it's a crazy argument at all that Kevin Durant proved more about himself losing in the semifinals of the Eastern Conference than he did winning titles with the Golden State Warriors we knew he was a great player could he put a team on his shoulders and basically will them to a championship he almost did it if you want to focus on a player who didn't live up Kyrie Irving got hurt James Harden wasn't healthy the big three was not much of a trio and Joe Harris to me the biggest missed shot in the game with about 50 seconds left he got a wide open three he has to make that shot that's why he's there he had an opportunity to win the series for the the Nets much like John Paxson did back in the day uh, much like Steve Kerr did that is the Joe Harris role he's better than both of those players but he is a shooter he is there to make wide open shots he got one inside of the final minute that should have won the Nets the series in my opinion instead he missed Giannis now advancing to the Eastern Conference Finals if you feel bad for anybody feel bad for Adam Silver because he gets the Nets uh, he doesn't get the Nets he gets the Hawks going up against the Bucks, and he gets the Suns going up against the Clippers Kawhi Leonard now out this is a messy Final Four for the NBA the ratings are going to be a disaster they already alienated everybody in their audience nobody is going to watch these Final Four teams I'm curious to see what actually ends up happening but the NBA got woke and now their ratings are going broke I am Clay Travis DBAP unless you need to SBAP I appreciate all your support for OutKick and the new show check it out search out my name Clay Travis on iTunes you can go sign up we're trying to get the audio fixed for this so it'll be available for everyone Uh, enjoy the evening I'll be on Laura Ingram later to make an unbelievably busy Monday finally come to a close but I appreciate all of you thanks for spending the time that you do with OutKick and one more time DBAP unless you need to SBAP this has been OutKick the show